Have you ever met a couple and you just immediately get the sense that someone clearly settled? Like one never lets the other one talk or feels the need to explain every single thing they say or they at least have to clarify everything they mention? Or have you ever met someone that sees everyone as a threat or worse as less than them? Today's podcast is the greater than, less than theory of relationships. Today, we will talk about how do the ideas of greater than or less than work in relationships? Who and how does the need for control manifest in relationships? And lastly, what are we going to do with this understanding? Welcome back to the podcast. This is just a rowdy only podcast, but I have been thinking about this idea for a few years now, and I've been talking about about this concept with my friends, the walkers, for a very, very long time. But normally, we only really talked about this within the confines of relationships until my good friend, Dr. Jim Rubin, showed me how this is also a large form of internal violence, which I needed to then thusly explore with the rest of y'all. So as far as the podcast goes, it's been strong and pretty steady recently. Uh, we've been in the 200 downloads per week, and that's pretty strong. There was one week where we had about 250, and this week is another strong 200, so I'm really excited about that. I think you should have heard the podcast with the interview with Dr. Puff at this point. So if I have any new listeners from that space, welcome. I'm loving having you here. So also know that this podcast is a space for us to have dynamic conversations with each other. Talk to each other, hear from each other, and share thoughts and ideas from what we're discussing. So if you'd like to interact with this podcast, you can feel free to do so by texting or sending a voicemail along to 860-576-9393. Again, you can get in contact and be in community with us at 860-576-9393. Or you can always email us at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-B-I-S-M at cox.net. Still looking for the first text, so if you got your phone out, just 860-576-9393. Just be like, nice job. I didn't know this sent a text. That's cool, too. Also, please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Please share the podcasts on social media. All these things go a long, long way to make a significant difference for us here at the Inclusive Activism Podcast. Also, please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Overcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, or Google Play, as these are great ways for me to show proof of potential work to potential sponsors. It would go a long, long way to getting my producer and potential social media person, we'll have to see how that goes later today, paid someday for their work. It's also super cool to have her added voice here, and we might look at bringing our social media person on at some point in time, if that pans out later today. So checking in on my activism, I got done doing another stereotyping workshop at the Kyrene Community Education School District. Really interesting opportunity and got to bring some former students along to that thing. So that was fantastic. Next week, I am looking at meeting with my friends on healing racism. What we're going to be discussing there 
is the impacts of free speech and hate speech. How do those things intersect? Where is the line? And how can we help people understand that stuff a little bit more? I'm also going to have my students next week do their first Puma Challenge course for Michelle's Com 110 class, which I'm really, really looking forward to. And I will be in my second to last class for Emerging Leaders 2, which all so focuses around the idea and efforts in nonviolence. It's been a great time. I didn't get to get, uh, get out to March for Our Lives. Uh, I was talking with Michelle, and we did feel a little bit guilty about that. But when we were talking about us and our activism, we were kind of saying, we do try to show up sometimes in spaces when people don't show up. And when people show up in big spaces, then sometimes we don't need to be there maybe as much because that's when the rest of the folks are kind of moving that stuff along and then uh we are looking at doing that healing racism very soon and i also should be talking at a church in early may about the effects of institutional racism so self-care i've only been able to lift three times in the past week and maybe only four times in the week before that it's been kind of hard to be in a regular rhythm because of the fact that spring break happened, which I'm not complaining about at all, but I'm still trying to find my way and space in getting back into the habit. Cardio is at two times last week. It's kind of hard to get that into. I got in Monday and then flag football is back and that's making a big, big difference. So I am grateful for that. I wouldn't call my service at Feed My Starving Children, which was also another form of activism I got in last week cardio though because we didn't go as fast as we usually did which was a little bit of a frustration for me on my end flag football also does quite a bit for me so the fact that i'm playing flag football that i get to go around there and compete makes a really really big difference i meditated two times last week and i'm realizing i need to get to one more meditation session today so that's really really important I have read at least one, last, one time last week and um, making some decent progress, but the book's not really enthralling me, so it's not going to be on my recommendation for self-growth, but I am getting through it. I'm also training Tank, and that is going okay, but uh, we're in a space where I need to bring our trainer next week to get a sense of what do we do for next steps, because that's stalling out a bit too. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about was diet and supplementation, so... Uh, my diet was really pretty good last week. This On the weekends, we kind of ease the reins a little bit, and I think that's kind of important to do. But uh, I got my supplements in every single day, and I have a lot of great supplements that make a really big difference as far as making me who I am, as well as the dynamic brain that hopefully you're appreciating here, now, and in this moment. And one other thing I wanted to share. Uh, this is a big deal for me. I am going to be starting therapy in the next week or two. I have a lot of baggage and stuff that I need to work and get through, and the fact that I was able to finally ask for help is a really big deal for me because I I recommend that to a lot of other people, but gosh, think of how many times you recommend therapy for other people and then don't choose to go get it for yourself. I am going to turn that around and do something about it myself. So at least once every two weeks, I am going to be getting some therapy, working with a counselor, and... Uh, hopefully getting a little bit better with my work in that. So I'm proud of that. Uh, it was not easy for me to do, but um, I'll try to share what that's doing for me here on the podcast too, because again, it's a form of personal leadership. How can we go and do that stuff ourselves is what I'm going to be looking into specifically. So lastly, I have my personal recommendation for self-growth. And today what I'm going to recommend is taking a deep, long look into your diet. 
what are you eating? Literally what you eat is what makes you. And so we have been really trying to cinch things up during the week. We're going to be trying to eat a lot more fish, uh, really getting those leafy greens in. Those make a really, really big difference. And no, too, I'm no perfectionist. I just ate pecan pancakes just a minute ago. And trust me, I'm feeling the results of that. Uh, it's just sitting in my stomach like a giant lump. But on a day-to-day -day basis, eating really good and healthy uh, makes you sharper. You're a little bit more focused. Uh, you feel good about what you're doing. And the fact that I have that stuff really tight and really well controlled over the course of the week makes a significant difference in me being the person I need to be for the people around me. So cinch up that diet a little bit. Maybe looking at getting a lot of more fruits and vegetables in. I need to get in fruits a lot more. But uh, vegetables are going pretty well. And I think uh, I'm going to dive into vegetables again starting tonight. So on to the podcast for today. The greater than, less than theory of relationships. And the first thing is, what in the hell am I even talking about? What is the greater than, less than theory on relationships? So fair warning, I'm going to probably end up being really heteronormative in this, but I don't know that it needs to be thought in a heteronormative way because I think you can think about this in any relationship specifically. So first off, we have seen this with men specifically with the idea of the trophy wife. She is there to look good, not to talk and to help the man look like the object of other men's envy. The guy never lets her speak, yet in about 10 years is stunned when she leaves him when she finds herself. So that's kind of that trophy wife thing. Now again, this is on the heteronormative side of things. So we've kind of seen this with men for a really long time. Men have been taught and um, expected to have less than partners for some silly reason. Uh, we're not taught to have equal partners, we're taught to have less than partners. And so I think you see this specifically a lot more with men rather than women. But I also think things are starting to change a little bit. So in peers, not my personal friends, but in a lot of peers relationships, I notice that the wife will see herself as greater than the husband. Now, again, this is happening a little bit more often and often in my opinion my instance women are controlling of their husbands um, they really don't trust their husbands to make any big decisions of substance they really will kind of talk down to their guys the guys in the relationship ask for permission for a lot of things their wives will set up kind of like play dates for them with their other husband friends and they're expected to get along and hang out while the women kind of talk to each other you know, I know if Michelle set a play date for me, I don't know how amenable I would be to that idea or notion. But also, since the men see themselves as less than, they also become a little bit more dependent on their wives for even the smallest things, like knowing flight schedules or needing a daily rundown of the responsibilities they're supposed to cover on a day-to-day -day basis. So men, too, buy into this idea of that they need their female partners to kind of control and tell them what to do and that's because fundamentally one of the two people in the relationship when they start started the relationship settled a bit they decided to get someone that was less than them and were okay with having to do the heavy lifting in a relationship over a long period of time which i really worry about it's very very toxic again this paradigm can completely exist outside of heteronormative relationships. It happens when someone settles for someone else rather than chooses to hold out for what they truly deserve. 
It also happens when someone thinks they can improve or save another person in the relationship. Hands up if you've made that mistake. I know you can't see me, but my hands really far up in the air. I've made this mistake a few times. This is supposed to be your partner, right? Your equal. And I truly think that no one in life can afford a project person when the chips are down and it's time to rally forward. When stuff's really on the line, you need someone you can count on and you need someone that can pick you up, push you and help you become a better person as well. So take a moment and think and look at your friends, especially if you're younger than 30. Who is the greater than and who is the less than in your relationship? Again, I think I find this with people my age too, so I'm not judging folks that are less than 30. There's a lot of people in their 40s that are working in a greater than, less than paradigm. One of the people sort of settled for the person that they're with and it has to take more control and be in charge of more things because they don't trust the other person to do the work. Now think of people where you can truly see that both are actual equals in their relationships. How many examples of that can you think of? See, for me, it's hard. I can think of like four or five, but that's not a lot. And honestly, some of my friends aren't even in relationships at my age because of the fact that they're not comfortable with having someone or finding someone that was equal or at least having the ability to give that, some, that other person an equal say. So now there's another layer to this, which goes on to our second topic specifically. How does the theory of greater than, less than theories of relationships affect the idea of perceived need and level of control. So my idea here is that somebody needs a little bit more or less control in the relationship. This additional measure, again, is about how much say or control that person needs in a relationship specifically. This is the amount of say a person needs in a relationship to feel good or comfortable in a relationship. For example, I have a friend that really honestly needs almost like 80% say in their relationship with only the other person having about 20% specifically. If they're not in 80-20, they're not comfortable and they won't be in a relationship or this person won't move forward to be in a relationship and will keep it kind of like a dating space without just seeing this one person specifically. Now, do I think that person can be with someone who is an equal? I don't know. Because of that need for control, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really tough for that person to work with what they see as an equal person and to be okay with being in a relationship like that with only like a 10% say of what will happen in that relationship. It's hard to be an equal but be treated like a subordinate. Now some folks think that 50-50 is the goal and that both folks are equal and that should be the way that it should be. But that isn't necessarily the case. Some folks feel more comfortable in control, while others can prefer to acquiesce and make just suggestions along the way. For example, in my prior marriage, oh yeah, I don't know if y'all are aware of this, I'm divorced, uh, I used to have a partner about 10 years ago and we broke up. I don't talk about it a lot, probably because I'm honestly still dealing with it. Uh, my friend Jim asked me about that and um, I'm sure we'll talk about it in therapy. But I am divorced and I do have a failed marriage, but I'm kind of glad that it did what it did. So anyway, back to me and my prior marriage. I tried for like a 50-50, but 
with that i believe i also got a little bit lazy and only took on 40 percent at times because i thought that's what men did in relationships for example i didn't bother to know when my plane left or arrived i left that stuff up to my ex-wife but i think in retrospect it probably would have worked better if i would have been in a 65 35 control like me having a little bit more control specifically I would say that her father was in a 75-25 control relationship. Um, in my estimation, that's just a guess. I can't tell. This is just my opinion, too. So don't take anything as a gospel. But I think she might have been missing some comfort and not needing to be in charge of so many things, especially when my moods got dark and I would become a little bit more irritable. That is something I struggle with, folks. I do get a little bit dark and irritable. So if you struggle with those things too, know that that's perfectly normal and it's something you should get help with because uh, if you were sick, you'd go to the doctor, right? So if you're struggling with that stuff with mental health, please look into that yourself. Now, in my current relationship, I definitely see my partner as an equal, but I am still working on getting to a true 50-50 when it comes to control specifically. A lot of it is because I just don't want to become lazy in a relationship again. And the other parts of it that I am aware of is that I have some ageism I think that happens in my relationship. We have a significant gap in age between my current partner and myself, about 16 years, and I do have some thoughts and ideas on ageism that kind of like rely within me. Remember, part of being an inclusive activist is recognizing the ism when it lives within you. And I definitely have some ism when it comes to thoughts and ideas of who should know what at what age that experience matters more than current knowledge uh, so that's part of that and it's something that's happening within me and I really need to address that idea I also worry sometimes about her having too much on her plate but then again um, I also might not be truly giving her enough stuff or trust from time to time because I'm still trying to work from a 60-40, like I'm still in a 60% and only giving her about 40% control. And I really need to like open that up, I think if we're gonna be long-term truly successful. But again, you can see this is another layer to this big cake of the greater than, less than theory of relationships. So lastly, okay, this is interesting, but I listened to this podcast so I can explore personal leadership through the lens of advocacy for the equity of others. So what does this have to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion? I bring this up because when I was teaching nonviolence with Dr. Jim Rubin in our Emerging Leaders 2 class, he said something that completely shook me. He said that the root of much of our internal violence comes from the fact that we see people as either better than or less than ourselves. I had always known of this greater than less than theory of relationships and i talked about it with my friends for a long time but this got flattened out to everyone else when i immediately saw the brilliance of this thought see i think working class whites have always been somewhat played by those in power and that their whiteness in some way was held up as better than other people from other races this has been used as a wedge to keep people who are held down by and with socioeconomic class by people in power. 
right? So if white people are somehow better, even though they're just as poor, they can really keep a wedge between haves and have-nots, as well as keep historically marginalized groups from banding together with poor working class whites to come together and fix problems in a true permanent way. But looking at the root of internal violence, it, it's so seminal in how this comes together. We either see people in our lives as better than or worse than, uh, this idea was super interesting. If we see ourselves then less than the people we love and spend time with, it means we don't believe that we are deserving of the love or attention they give us. We'll beat ourselves up if we fail to measure up and, and constantly think and believe that we're truly not worth their love and attention. I am at my worst when I believe this about my partner, right? When I think my partner's too good for me, that she shouldn't have to put up with me, that I'm not worth it when I make all these mistakes. She has to both deal with the fact that I'm beating myself up, try to pick me up, and address the problem that we're having. Now, when we see ourselves as less than others, then we get stuck in harmful ideas like should. Like I should be doing this or I should be doing that. Again, should is a past tensed way of thinking and there's nothing you can do about things that you did in the past. Now you can do things in the future, but should isn't very helpful. It also, in a worse way, can have a sense of expectation or gratitude, which these lesser people, we feel these folks that are lesser than us should show to us because we choose to be around them. When we see people as not being on our level, we dehumanize them and you make them fundamentally less than us, which means they can deserve less than us. We can be mean or rude to them, or we'll want to create or sustain systems and circumstances where they can allow, be allowed to suffer. You see where that violence kind of comes from with this thinking specifically? This hurts us because it makes us the, pur the purveyor of violence in that it gives us the freedom of thinking which allows us to hurt others and rain down violence upon others. See, violence only begets more violence. When we see ourselves as less than, we will beat ourselves up because we're not in the space that we should be. When we see others as less than, when we allow ourselves to hurt others or treat others as less, or when we think other people deserve more or better than us, we fall into patterns of violence. The most abusive people are people who have experienced abuse. They have learned that abuse and they have passed that abuse on others. However, nonviolence can also be learned within as well. When we come to understand that each person has the right to exist and truly deserves love, we finally have the opportunity to really truly connect with that person. Now, they're not always gonna choose to connect back, but we have to end oppression, period. Not just flip oppressors. I think a lot of times when people talk about justice or social justice specifically, I don't know that they're really trying to look for true equity specifically, especially what they play they with the way they'll treat people who 
don't necessarily understand or think in the same way they do, right? I think sometimes some people who I would say I agree with may be trying to create situations where they only truly flip oppressors and not create true equity. I think nonviolent thinking is the only way we can reach the ends of true equity. So both for us personally within ourselves to have a true sense of creating the even possibility of peace, we have to make certain that we see and know deeply that every other person is truly a child of God and absolutely worthy of love. Any other thought that is either greater than you're holding this person way too high in your own esteem and position hurts you and makes you worth and deserving of pain. Or if you think someone's less than you means they shouldn't be able to join with you, that they're not going to be part of your beloved community someday in the future. And that hurts you in that you will never be able to connect with them and you'll always want to other them and make them less than yourself. Every person is worthy of love and affection. And it's something that we really need to hold and own if we're truly going to get to the spaces that we need to be in the future. So in review, the major points of this podcast were how people see themselves as either greater than or less than others in relationships specifically. How people either, the second point was how people desire more or less control or a sense of control in their relationships. And the last one was how greater than or less than thinking is the genesis of violence and how important it is for us to stop that pattern of violence. So with that, we have a voicemail. So I am going to get to the voicemail right now. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, my name is Gerard, also known as GK in uh, some factions. And I can tell you that the biggest concern uh, as somebody who's always eager to be a social change agent in the life of mental and learning disability community is also in the political realm. We as you know, some groups have only been recognized as being supported by the Democratic Party. Yes, I would agree with that, Gerard. I do believe that only certain folks have been felt as though they've been truly supported by Democrats specifically, although I don't know that Democrats are really working for occlusion either. That's kind of like my thoughts and opinions. And if we have family members that are Republicans, you know, how, what kind of life do we live? Uh, being raised in a, in a Republican family can tell you that uh, even though school was supported at the same time, uh, it was told that, well, you know, they're going to have a hard time with you being a Republican, so keep it quiet. So I'm not sure here exactly what you're saying. Like, you're saying that your family was Republicans and they support school, but it's not, like, supported by the party, or they're not, the party doesn't really do much, or that don't talk about supporting education as a party when you're a Republican. I'm not sure. So I'll continue with the voicemail. And, you know, I wasn't really Republican. I'm more of in the moderate realms of, of both the Democrat and Republican Party. And I can tell you that there's a big issue in our colleges and universities, from the, the junior colleges to the community all the way to the universities. 
if you're a Republican, there's something wrong with you. Now, see, I would disagree with people saying that if you're a Republican, there's something wrong with you. However, especially things that are happening to me at the community college level specifically, it's hard to have a lot of like empathy or trust with the Republican Party, especially the way it stands now, because no one's really wanting to fund education specifically, and that's a problem. So, you know, people get better by having a firm basis in education. So I'm not saying Republicans are wrong, but like the way the Republican Party is being represented right now, it's not incredibly pro-education, and that might be part of what you're feeling. And if we're going to be, we is greater than I, then we have to include all groups. And we're talking about this, Rowdy, about including all groups. So my question is, you know, why do universities seem to really be hard on talking about the Constitution and teaching it? So I would also say that um, I don't think colleges and universities are hard on the Constitution or teaching it. There's POS 225, 220, 221. All these classes teach about civics, civic engagement, the politics. There's also at the Maricopa Community Colleges, a thing called the Student Public Policy Forum, which is all about public policy. It's all about um, getting different folks from different political groups together to try to move an agenda forward. So there is stuff, but you might not know that it's there specifically. Um, there's also a lot of like political clubs on campus. I know there's a thing that's called Turning Point USA, which is really big on free speech and also big on uh, limited government, and they have a presence that is allowed here on our campus. Um, but I think what you're talking about is higher education's like view of Republicans as potential threats. And that's because I think they're trying to really defund colleges and universities, just like they're defunding K through 12 education. So it's kind of hard to have a lot of trust from someone that's openly said that they're hostile to you. It's hard not to be hostile back. Not that it's right, but that's the stance, I guess. In community forums and in the universities, why do you have to be damned against social change if you're a Republican? And the other thing is, is that the Donald Trump is not a Republican issue. And in reality, it's not a Democrat issue. It's a we issue. I would also agree that uh, Donald Trump, well, I would say... You can make a case that it's a Republican issue. I mean, he did win the Republican Party ticket. He's, although he is one of the most criticized Republicans by other Republicans, which I'll totally give you that. Like, he definitely gets criticized by other Republicans. There's definitely things they could have done to really correct out or at least limit the scope for of his power and ability to create wedges and to create um, distance from one person to another. So... I think that's part of what you're feeling there too. But I would also agree that Donald Trump is a we problem. There's something that we all need to do about this issue specifically and not just leave it to Republicans. But I know there's a lot of Republicans that are feeling very disenfranchised because he doesn't really stand for what they believe in or do specifically. So yeah, I would agree. Donald Trump is a we issue. The part of what you're feeling is that he started in one place specifically. So it's easy to blame where that place started. And so... I'll stop there because I said a lot, but I can tell you that a lot of times I never felt comfortable as somebody with who had a learning disability in any institution, and I never felt comfortable in having any connection 
Well, you're feeling uncomfortable as someone with learning disabilities and in any education institution because it's not built for you. There is a idea of functionability that is assumed in higher education specifically. And the reason why you don't feel comfortable there is because it's not built for you specifically. It's built for normal or regular functioning folks, regular, sorry for that language. Um, but it's not built for folks that function in any way outside of the assumed norm. That's why you're feeling rejected. Saying that I was any former Republican going into a institution of community colleges or any college university. And if we're going to be we is greater than I, doesn't that need to be addressed? And maybe that's why the Donald Trump campaign was a success because we haven't addressed these issues for so long. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the fact that we don't get po folks from different parties to sit down and talk about what they agree about is a big part of that issue. But again, um, if you're wondering why colleges and universities seem so anti-Republican is because there's a lot of evidence of Republican efforts to defund or dismantle higher education specifically, which um, needs to be addressed in those spaces too. Right. So those conversations need to happen in Republican circles. But I would also agree that colleges and universities need to have these conversations about how to include more moderate, less radical Republicans about rallying folks to the side of being pro-education and a pro-educated electorate. So just to recycle, why are we not addressing our Republican brothers and sisters being in our educational institutions as a part of us? Rather, as someone we have to change and their ideas and rather than get to know them. Well, I would say it's because we're not doing a great job at it. We don't take a lot of time to get to know different people. But I would also say, like, I don't know, man, like, there's not been a lot of, like, Republicans that register for COM 101 either. Republicans don't really show up in spaces where I try to have conversations about things like this. I don't know what to bring more, what to do to bring more of those folks in. But I would agree it's a problem and I'd agree it's something that we need to work on. Uh, but I think the first part is having a conversation about it. So in that you had a conversation about it here with us, with me, uh, if there's someone else is out there and they agree with Gerard and thinks that we need to talk about these things in a different way, you can call in the voicemail line at 860-576-9393 or you can text us at 5769393 and we can kind of talk to each other about this. If you have thoughts or opinions about what Gerard said and you'd like to address those things, that is totally that is something you're totally able and it's possible to do. But call and let's talk and let's find a way to have a conversation about this and do know Gerard that I'm talking with someone that wants to hold a forum for both Republicans and Democrats to get together at Paradise Valley Community College on April 28th. Uh, I think it's going to be from like 1 to 4 p.m. But it's something that you can get engaged with uh, that potentially can get you involved there as well. So lastly, this space and place is a place for us to talk, to have questions, to answer questions, to get a sense of what people think about things or how we can address issues and come together as we being greater than me specifically. So thank you again for your call, Gerard, and I do appreciate your time. I love hearing dissent even or critiques. Uh, I think those opportunities really help us become better people. And so lastly, if you're interested in me, Michelle, Sarah, potentially my new social media, media person, and you'd like to know more about who we are and what we do, you can do so at www.inclusiveactivism.com. You can also look at bringing the power of inclusive activism to your organization by emailing us at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. 
that's another space where you can also get a hold of us and talk about the podcast as well. And again, to learn more about me and this organization, you can do so at www.inclusiveactivism.com. Thank you for your time and attention, and I'm looking forward to talking to you in a few weeks.